Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. This week, we have Dr. Sheila Foreman on the pod. We're talking about mindfulness and specifically mindful eating. At Feel Strong, we've used similar approaches for years, both personally and with some clients. And this way of thinking about food and diet ties in nicely with how we approach affecting change, creating habits, and how your overall stress load affects everything you do, including your fitness. I think you're going to enjoy our talk about food, meditation, and how to deal with a stressful environment. Let's get to it. We have Dr. Sheila on the Feel Strong Podcast. Dr. Sheila, welcome to the Feel Strong Podcast. Oh, thank you, Justin. I'm so happy to be here. I am happy to have you here. We are talking, or at least we're going to start talking today, about mindful eating. And I thought before we even dive into it, because I have some experience here, I thought it'd be useful to set the stage. When we're talking about mindful eating, what are we talking about? So mindful eating, Justin, is a non-diet approach to managing one's weight, to shifting one's relationship from food away from uh, being told what to do, what to eat, when to eat, to a place where one trusts oneself more. And that comes from being mindful, which basically translates to being aware. The more aware we are of our hungers, the more aware we are of how food tastes, of how satisfying food is, the better able we are to feed ourselves both um, physically and psychologically and arrive at a weight that's appropriate for us, whatever that might be. And I think that also translates into performance, energy, how people are feeling during the day. Like if they're after, and especially uh, experienced athletes out there, people who've done a lot of nutrition coaching work, you know, there's a lot of people who are stuck on their macros. And I'm not against it. I understand because data is beautiful and it's a number you can control. How does it differ someone who's seeking the same result? And let's say uh, maybe the results wait, or maybe it's, I want to feel really good and have energy during my day, be able to do all of this to be able to say yes to whatever I want to. How does someone who is going after a specific macro number differ from someone who's using mindful eating? It's very possible that the macro number the person's chasing is in fact the macro number the body requires, but sometimes it isn't. So when you pay attention to how you feel after you hit that number, does it work for you? Do you have the energy? Do you have the strength? Do you have the stamina? If you do, great, then that's the amount of food your body requires. But if you're lethargic or sluggish or too activated, that happens sometimes too, then you're in the wrong place. And then it's better, from my perspective, to listen to your body and adjust a little bit more, a little bit less. Um, it's trial and error initially, but after a while, when you really tune in and you get to know your body, you'll be guided to exactly the right combination of all the macros, the micros, everything you need, because your body is guiding you and not some book or you know bottle if you're taking supplements. And that awareness piece, I think, is I think is the key to all of this. And certainly, correct me, correct me where I go off track. But how do you go about building awareness in people? Because I am as guilty as anyone. I have absolutely within the past twenty four hours, I've been on my phone taking notes, shoving something in my face, trying to catch up on something. I, I couldn't tell you what it tasted like. I don't really know how much it was. I'm not sure what color it was. Like, how do you go about you. building that awareness? I believe you. Welcome to the 21st century. We're all living like that. A um, couple of things. Awareness, uh, mindfulness, as I said, is about awareness. So there's a few things. The foundation of the work that I do is mindfulness meditation, believe it or not. That when you begin to develop a mindfulness-based meditation practice, and I'm not talking about an hour a day sitting on a cushion, even five or 10 minutes a day of learning to go inward, to just stop for a moment, notice your thoughts, 
you will learn to not react to your thoughts, but to actually create a pause where you can then choose what to do. So by building a mindfulness meditation practice, you're already training your brain to slow down and pay attention. The other trick is do one thing at a time. And I know that's sacrilegious because I was an incredible multitasker. But when you stop and you just pay attention to one thing at a time, you actually are more productive, get more done. I've noticed that for myself. I used to be on the computer, answer the phone, eat all at the same time, thinking I didn't have time to do each one individually. But when I stopped and I started eating separately for 10, 15 minutes to have my meal or my snack, I'd come back, I'm more energized, I'm more productive, I get more done. So it's amazing what just taking that pause does for you. And mindfulness meditation builds that um, that memory muscle, if you will, or the psychic muscle to create that pause. And then you're more present. And life is more enjoyable when you're present. Uh, it's hugely more enjoyable. And I completely agree. That example you just gave of, uh, I think it was being on the computer and being on the phone and eating, because you don't have time to do all of those, the other side of that is, the quality of all three of those are dissipated and whether or not you realize it, you're not showing up the way you potentially could for all of these things. So rather than giving your energy, giving, you know, rather than showing up at 60% all across your day, take the time, show up at a hundred percent because you will also find that you are more productive and actually more efficient when you just shut it down. We do it. I talk to this young coaches, young, like, uh, they haven't been coaching very long. They might not be young in age, but if, when you're sitting down to like write a program for someone or analyze their assessment, turn everything off. Like the phone goes away, the email goes away. Like you can focus up and you get a huge amount done in 20 minutes. But if you're doing all those other things, two hours later, you might be sitting on your couch and be like, man, this is just taking a really long time. Right, right. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting anywhere. And with the training that you and, and your coaches do, being mindful in the moment also makes a better workout. And I'm sure that you work with this. When you're really focused on the muscles that you're training, for example, you get more out of that, um, that uh, workout than if your mind is somewhere else. And the same is for me. Like I, When I'm on the treadmill, I previously always had a book, magazine, or television on. And then my mind was somewhere else where my, while my legs were moving. But now that I'm practicing more mindful exercise, mindful walking, I'm more present. I actually enjoy the time on the treadmill more. My exercise is better. I find that I go faster and farther than I would have if my mind were on the, uh, you know, the soap opera I was watching. <laughs> and that makes a difference. And that all comes down to mindfulness, to being present in the moment. I love that, first of all, because the... I've never loved the book, television, et cetera, on the treadmill. I understand it, but I feel like it's often sold as a distraction because you hate this so much. We all hate this. Nobody likes doing this. So here's, here's some things you can do to distract yourself and lessen the pain. And I understand some days are harder and certainly like showing up is 80% of the battle. But the idea that walking is going to be something so hateful to somebody is I think worth examining and worth like mm -hmm. spending a little quiet time and walking and wondering why you're so angry if going for mm -hmm. a walk really upsets you. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's right. definitely worth digging in a little and seeing uh, how you get I'm there. I'm a psychologist by trade, Justin, and I'm on board with you. Always asking the questions, why, what's going on? So I love that you start with the mindfulness meditation, mm -hmm. first of all, because it seems uh, like a beautiful way to build that awareness. And mm -hmm. also, as we've already touched on a little bit, like that translates to so many other aspects in life. Could you give me as someone who, let's say I've never done anything like this, mm -hmm. what does working on mindfulness meditation mean? 
It's so simple. Sit. That's it. Sit. Be quiet for a minute. Notice your thoughts. With time, you can close your eyes and focus on your breath. And every time your mind wanders, and it will, one of the misconceptions about meditation is that we quiet our mind and we go into this sort of, you know, a, a vacuum. No, the mind's not like that. The mind is operating 24-7. But with mindfulness meditation, you sit. If you, some people close their eyes, you can just lower your gaze, you focus on your breath. And when you notice your mind wandering from your breath, you very simply bring it back to the breath. That's it. And you do that over and over again. And in time, you'll be able to focus on your breath for longer periods of time. And then when you notice the thought, instead of jumping on that thought and running away and having a daydream for 10 minutes about the fight that you had with your boss last uh, yesterday, you're back to your breath. And that creates the difference between reacting and responding. And when we learn to respond, whether it's to our food, our exercise, our bosses or anything, life works better. That is beautiful. I've said that to so many people like, you know, being reactive is always, always puts you on the back foot. And it's essentially mm -hmm. fight or flight. Like the nature yes. of being reactive is that kind of sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. And you start chest breathing and everything gets tight and you're just mm -hmm. sort of flailing around yep. as opposed to taking a moment, mm -hmm. considering what you're about to do. And then maybe it's still plan A. Maybe mm -hmm. having that confrontation or having a challenging conversation, whatever's right. going to happen, is the right way to go. But you've thought it through and you've used that focus. And now you're going to be so much more confident, as we said before, more effective in doing it. Mm -hmm. And that works with food, too. Um, I did most of my work as a clinical psychologist around binge eating, where we immediately go for food. We, we emotionally overeat. But so I never take food away from people. Food serves a purpose. There are biochemical reactions that happen in the body when you eat chocolate, and it works. You feel better. But when you're more mindful, you create the choice. Sometimes nothing will help but a, a bite of chocolate. Other times you're better off doing something else. And when you can create that moment, that pause, and really think, what's the weight that will go away first? I've also tied into that and maybe tied into binge eating also. Using mindful eating, I've had a lot more success noticing portion sizes, not necessarily limiting them, but eating and actually chewing and actually tasting my food. And then kind of when I'm 80 or 85% full, like stopping for 10 or 15 minutes and seeing how I feel. And if I'm still hungry, I'm going to keep eating. Absolutely. But a lot of times it gives, you know, my body a chance to catch up. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I feel totally satisfied. Mm -hmm. I'm going to save this for later. And, and not the, just to, because I think this is what you're saying. I don't want to make sure no one's misunderstanding us. We're not talking about how little can I get away with no. eating. No. With, we're talking about exactly as much as you need to mm -hmm. accomplish everything you want to accomplish right. and be the person you want to be and show up and have mm -hmm. energy and all of that stuff, but not necessarily more. And it's certainly not more for the sake of more, right. more just because you didn't even notice you were having it. Right. So when people eat more than what their body naturally requires... They're either, either eating mindlessly, meaning they're not paying attention. Their body is giving them a signal, had enough, finished with the burger, that's it, I'll have another burger later, woohoo, I'm over here. And they're not paying attention and they finish the whole portion, which their body in that moment doesn't need, or they're eating for emotional reasons. They don't want to stop. And if you don't want to stop, that's okay, but why don't you want to stop? Do you feel deprived? Is this the best burger you've ever had in your life and you're afraid you'll never have it again? Do you, um, has nothing gone right all day and this food feels right? And again, if that's what's going on, eat. 
but do it mindfully. Say, you know what? I'm having a bad day. Nothing would feel better than a bag of chips. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to pour that bag of chips into the most beautiful bowl that I have. And one by one, I'm going to enjoy every one of those chips. And then you're done and you move on with your life. And then ideally, there's no guilt associated with it because you've made this decision. You know what you're doing. You enjoyed the entire process. Like that can be an incredibly positive thing and doesn't have to come along with shame or feeling bad or apologizing to yourself for something so minor. And oftentimes that, that exercise of pouring the chips into the bowl, enjoying them one at a time, stops overeating. Because a lot of times when we start to eat mindlessly or emotionally, we go for the chips then we go for the cookies, then we go for the ice cream, then we go for the, and before you know it, you've grazed your way through the day. But when you stop and you give yourself permission, say, this is really what I want. I know it's emotional. My body's not hungry for potato chips, but this is what I want. And you give it to yourself. You're satisfied psychologically, you're satisfied physically, and you can move on. That, that sense of urgency or that craving oftentimes goes away. So I always tell my friends, if you want ice cream, get the best Get the, your favorite flavor. Don't get any of that low-fat, no-sugar stuff unless you like it. Put, it. put it in a beautiful bowl. Get a silver spoon and just, like a child, just enjoy every bite. And it's amazing. Sometimes they don't even finish the bowl because it's so satisfying when you give yourself permission. I love that. And it seems like that kind of focus and intention and awareness would also help with something I noticed with a number of clients and that's once the, the wheels come slightly off their plan, then the wheels are off completely and they lose a day, a weekend, a week, something goes off. And it feels like the, the, the emotion of that can gain momentum in a, a way that feels uncontrollable. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And the, the idea that it just keeps going, I get that. So my recommendation is always acknowledge it, become aware, oh, this is what I'm doing, and then choose to make your next bite or sip mindful just to interrupt the pattern. That might be it's only one mindful bite and you're off to the races, okay. But then the next time you think of it, do another mindful bite and interrupt it and get back to mindfulness as soon as possible. And that will interrupt that pattern because it's very easy. It's Tuesday morning, right? Um, I, 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 I ate two donuts for breakfast. I'm gonna waste the whole week. I'll start my diet again on Monday. That is six more days of food that your body doesn't necessarily require. A hundred percent. And I love that idea of, of interrupting yourself while you're doing something, mm -hmm. because it also points out that it's a, it's a continuum and you can step in at any moment. Right. It's just because you bought the dozen donuts. Maybe a dozen donuts is the right serving size. Right. I don't know, mm -hmm. but have one and then see how you think about right. it and then have a bite of the second right. one. But that, that doesn't mean you're even committed to the whole second donut mm -hmm. and the third and then the fourth. And for me, probably the seventh or eighth, if but paying attention to that right. and continually bringing your awareness back to these moments seems like a very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Justin, the donuts taste better. They taste better when you're paying attention or this 100%. is the downside of mindful eating. They taste terrible and you're disappointed because now you're really tasting it. And that happened to me. I had a snack food from, um, I'm not gonna say which one, because other people might love it. And when I really sat down to eat it, I discovered, huh, the flavor's all on the outside. It's like straw on the inside. I'm like, damn, excuse me, I don't know if I can say that on a podcast, but darn it. It's fine, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I always thought, because I would eat a whole bag of them. And then I realized these don't taste good. Yep. And once I realized that there's, and I talk about this in my books, there's a little bit of a grieving period where you have to, when you realize that your favorite foods are no longer your favorite foods, or the idea that you could eat mindlessly and 
being mindless about it is a loss and we sometimes have to grieve. And that's some of my work is, is saying goodbye to the foods we thought we loved and also saying goodbye to some of the behaviors that have kept us going all these years that are no longer serving us. I think that is so interesting, grieving for a food that doesn't taste good anymore, mm-hmm. because ostensibly there's it probably tasted good at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to give people that yeah. maybe. But then you changed your palate changed mm-hmm. things changed. The ingredients change on this stuff all the right. time. The food may well have changed. Right. Who knows? Right. But at some point it became something you didn't actually enjoy, mm-hmm. but it was so stuck in your brain as something that brings you joy. Right. This is my treat for myself. This is what I do when I'm exactly. stressed. This is what right. I do to make myself very happy. Mm-hmm. And breaking that and realizing it's it's almost like breaking up with something, like having to break up with this food and realize that, yeah. that we're not working for each other anymore. Right. That's exactly what it's like. But the good news is you find other foods that you really enjoy once you start to really taste um, and there's wonderful foods out there that are delicious, and there are other foods that are like, meh. But when you give yourself permission to make that choice, then you eat foods that you really enjoy. And again, when you do that, the old to, over time, you eat less of it. There's a phenomenon that we ta- I talk about called chasing the taste. So when we eat something, the first three or four bites, we really taste it. But after a while, our taste buds get saturated. They adapt. And so we don't have that flavor anymore. So we keep eating more. In my my book, um, Mindful by Joyful Life, that just came out, I tell a, a it's a it's a one a day every you know every, for 365 days. It's a little little um, essay, and one of them I talk about being with my sister. We were at an event and they were serving hot dogs. So I took a bite of the hot dog and I said to her, "Oh, this tastes terrible." And then I took another bite, and she said to me, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. She said. Why are you taking another bite if it tastes terrible? And it was such a profound moment. And I was like, I think I was trying to find out if it would taste better with the second bite. It was she gave me a mindful eating moment. And I write about that. It was hilarious. It's like I it made I had to take a few bites before I said, no, nope, yeah, that's terrible. And I threw it out and I went and I got something else from uh, from the barbecue. I think that's because so we just, relatable. We just keep yep. tasting it. It'll be it'll be better. It'll be better. I'll take another bite. Oh, it can't really be this bad. Right. Or it stops tasting good. It's like chewing gum. After a while, the chewing gum doesn't have any flavor. We've been satisfied, but psychologically, we keep going for it. And mindfulness can interrupt that pattern because it's all about eating what your body requires so that you get to the weight that's right for you rather than carrying extra weight that's created because of excess for emotional or physical reasons. You eat excess. Have you worked with people because this is an, I find this a very interesting phenomenon. I run into it on a fairly regular basis who changing their eating patterns or changing maybe the kinds of food they eat or how much they eat is actually, it almost feels like an identity shift for them. Like they are someone who eats a big steak or can drink with their friends on the weekend or has this in the morning, or they show up at work with their big sugary coffee and it's and and they've it's really become part of their identity and that makes it so i for me it makes it so much harder to change that habit because it feels like they're changing who they are in a a way that i occasionally find inexplicable so what we do how we think what we feel how we act in the world is very much dictated by our self-image right i'm someone who jogs every morning then I'm out on the street jogging. I'm someone who surfs the couches and watches Netflix, and that's what I'm doing. So part of my work is helping people identify as a mindful eater to shift that identity. 
not that they're a dieter, but I'm a mindful eater. Now I make choices based on what my body needs. And sometimes it is the sugary coffee drink in the morning. And sometimes it's a cup of tea and sometimes it's nothing. Like this morning I got up and I usually have breakfast. I usually wake up and I'm hungry. This morning I really wasn't hungry. So my breakfast was a banana. It's perfect. It was exactly what my body required in that moment. Maybe later, another hour or two, I'll go have something else. But because I was paying attention, rather than serve myself a breakfast, whether it was cereal or yogurt or something, I wasn't hungry for it. And I just ate the breakfast. So I ate the banana because I, I'm now identifying as a mindful eater and I'm making my choices from that identity rather than the identity. I'm a coffee drinker, I'm keto, I'm paleo, I'm whatever the identity is. I really like that. And I would assume that also translates into how you feel later. Like I woke up, I felt this way. I had the banana. Two hours later, I still feel great. This was an excellent choice. Two hours later, you're like, I could take down a pizza. Like, mm, maybe, maybe that feeling actually I needed more than a banana at that time. And, and now I can, you know, identify that a little more closely going forward. It you're 100% right. I, I gave myself in that moment what my body required. There are other mornings I wake up and a banana is not going to cut it. And before you know it, I'm scrambling up some eggs. And I happen to like cottage cheese, even though I know it's a di diet food, but I'll have cottage cheese, sliced tomato, scrambled eggs um, on a big plate. And that's my breakfast. And it's like, huh, yesterday I had a banana, but today I need that. And it's just because I'm listening to what my body requires. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I don't change. know why. Today I needed yeah. a banana. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Who knows what lunch will bring? Lunch might be that I end up eating an eight-course meal. Who knows? We'll find out. Exactly. And people have a hard time. This And this goes for exercise and, and diet, uh, amount of food, things like that. Everybody wants, you know, a number like this is this is the breakfast that works for me. This is the lunch that works for me. This is the amount. This is the the exercise regime. This is if we just draw it out, if we spend enough time analyzing it and get that program down, it's going to be perfect. And the reality is people are very complicated and how you slept and that something someone said to you on the bus that's still in the back of your brain and the fact that your shoes are a little more worn down, they would be ideal. All of this has conspired to change what you need and to change what you're capable of bringing today. So we have to make little tiny tweaks all over the place mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah, that's perfect, Justin. That's exactly right. And I get a lot of pushback from people. Just tell me what to eat, right? Or I have people who give who confess to me, oh, yesterday I had this, 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 and that. I'm like, yes, okay. But people want, and people want, and myself included, until I learned about mindful eating, we want an answer. Just tell me what to do. Should I eat eggs? Should I eat oatmeal? Should I eat three times a day or six times a day? And the truth of the matter is the easiest program I've ever uh, recommended to somebody else or for myself is mindful eating because you throw all that away and you just listen. And in the beginning, it's not easy. It takes a while to sort of get to the, what do I really want and work through some of those emotions. Really, all I had was a banana. That's all you wanted, body, was just a banana. What about pancakes, right, to have that dialogue? But once you get there, this is easy. You can go anywhere, be anywhere with anybody and trust that you will make the right choices for yourself and not worry. Are there going to be chicken breasts? Will there be broccoli? Will I be able to weigh and measure my portions? That's exhausting. This is not exhausting. This becomes a way of life that translates into everything. Mindfulness has a way of permeating all aspects of life. And life becomes, for me, more enjoyable. You're more present and you're living, which I think is what it's all about. Exactly. And it takes away a lot of the things that people have. I mean, as you well know, 
especially with eating, nutrition, weight management. There's so much baggage that comes along with it for everybody. There's, I don't think there's people on the planet who haven't at least spent some time thinking about this and have some hangups depending on how old they are. And, and I, I, I've, I've seen some other ways of dealing with this, but if you can remove calories and macros and ingredients and anything that could make you feel guilt or that you're really trying to manage the data super specifically and actually notice, well, I don't know, how do you feel? That, that old like, I don't know, how do you look, feel, and perform? Oh, everything's good? We must be going great. Oh, you, you feel terrible and you're performing terribly? Something's probably not optimal. Why don't we make some changes and work on that? And and sometimes, as especially with wearables and all this stuff, it can be really tempting to dig so deep into this supposed data, but it doesn't always work because people are more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Right. If only my Fitbit had all the answers. <laughs> if only... I've gotten yeah. in so many arguments with Fitbits, I can't even... <laughs> more steps than that you're not counting all my steps yeah no you're absolutely right just the way you exactly. just described it was perfect yeah. oh, or the fitbit says well it this the fitbit or whoop or whatever your wearable mm-hmm. is this says that i'm having a great day and i slept really well and i'm primed for optimal performance but i feel terrible and i'm very tired and i'm weak mm-hmm. and everything's not going well it's like right. well one of you is correct right. and <laughs> i'm gonna bet on the person who's actually standing in front of me who is aware that they're tired. I don't know why it's telling you that you're not. Um, right. I'm going to bet on that person because of mindful that eating. person is the expert of themselves. We know better than our Fitbits. Than exactly. Our, our, we're the experts. And when you can trust that and give yourself permission to be the boss, this stuff, all this stuff comes in, all, all this stuff sort of falls into play. Yeah. Real world application of mindful eating. Because it sounds, I I know there's people out there thinking like, yes, like sitting at my well-lit breakfast nook, considering (laughs) my banana sounds great. My life is busier than that. I'm running through an airport. Stop making me feel bad about this. How the hell am I supposed to do mindful eating? Well, let's do that. Mindful eating. I just got through TSA. I have 30 minutes. Like, how does one mindful eat in a stressful environment where you often feel like you don't have a lot of control? Oh, my goodness. How many airports have I run through? Um, I hear you. Honestly, it's just taking that pause and sitting. It's what I said to you earlier in our conversation. Just stop. So you're running from from your, you know, from TSA to your gate, you have a half an hour, you're hungry. You walk into, you know, the newsstand or you see a, a pretzel shop or something. Just stop for a moment and say, okay, I need to eat something. What what looks good to me here? And then you grab the pretzel and you move on. It doesn't take a lot. You don't have to sit for an hour contemplating. You don't have to sit just at your table with the ambient light and the mood music eating your yogurt. But in the beginning, that actually does help build the skills. And I do recommend at the very beginning when someone's learning mindfulness is to eat without distraction. Create a place in your office, at your kitchen, wherever, that's just for where you eat. And after a while, once you do that for a while, you'll be able to tune out the world and tune into yourself, even if you're in the middle of O'Hare Airport. You absolutely can, but not in the beginning. And if you make a mistake, right, if you overeat, okay, just notice it. Next time, give yourself more time to get to the airport. Or next time, pack a TSA-approved snack so that you have something to eat. But the last thing I ever want anybody to do is beat themselves up for eating something. We're human, we need to eat, and our society and our culture and our environment is created to make it very easy to eat and not necessarily to eat healthy. So if you're running through the airport and you're grabbing a donut or a pretzel or something like that, okay, just know you're doing it. I call it mindful, mindless eating. Just know you're doing it. 
Nothing wrong with that. I like that there's a scale of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just being aware. Oh, I'm, it's like the song. Oops, I did it again. Oh, here I go again. All right, you just know. You're aware. That's mindful. And then next time you might make a different choice. The no, the non-distracted eating, distractionless eating, something like that. I found that very useful. And for me, it just meant... You know, especially it was always when I was eating alone. I was I'm much, much better when I'm eating with somebody, especially someone I care about. But making Mm -hmm. sure that I'm not automatically pulling in a book or opening the phone or having music on the background, just like Mm -hmm. put that stuff down, just push it across the table. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere. I'm not setting up a special room Mm -hmm. and just sitting and eating. And Mm -hmm. I found it weirdly useful to notice how much I was chewing my food. And that might sound a little strange, but it was something I was able to dial in. And first Mm -hmm. of all, make sure I was chewing. Because if, right. if people oh, notice, swallow. like, if you're right. really rushing, yeah, people just kind of gulp. And, and me too. Like, ones, mm-hmm. all of us, just mm-hmm. gulp food when we're in a rush, mm-hmm. which also means it's not great for your digestion. It's not great for actually getting right. the nutrition you want out of mm-hmm. the thing. And noticing it will really light up your awareness of texture as well as flavor, yeah. which yeah. I found very useful. Mm-hmm. There's a very famous mindful exercise, and it's taught in all kinds of mindful classes besides mindful eating. That's the raisin exercise. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's where you take a single raisin and you eat it mindfully. You, 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 you notice the color, the texture, you smell it, you put it in your mouth, you let it roll around a little bit, you play with it, then you bite into it, then you savor the flavor, then you swallow it. A single raisin. And when you do that, you start to notice how many Parts of you are involved in eating, sight, smell, taste, texture, aroma. And again, you don't have to eat every bite like you eat a raisin in those raisin exercises. But the more you pay attention, the more you enjoy your food. And again, in the end, you end up eating less, not because you're cutting yourself off, but because you're satisfied psychologically and physically. No. What benefits can someone who, let's say there's someone out there who's perfectly happy with their weight, their performance, mm-hmm. they feel like they have this pretty dialed in. I still feel like they could likely benefit from mindful eating. What mm-hmm. is your approach with someone like that? Who's not looking, I, I don't want to change my weight. I don't, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with how I look, feel and perform. What benefits are they going to see from this? So mindfulness can be applied to a lot of things. Mindful eating is one area, and that's my area of expertise because I've been working in eating disorders world as a psychologist for a long time. Don't want to say how long, but a long time. Um, But mindfulness can be applied to anything. You could drive mindfully. You could uh, walk mindfully. So those people who aren't really interested necessarily in changing their weight, I would just want to teach them mindfulness meditation and mindfulness in general because then that, that opens up their whole world to different experiences. It may not affect their weight because their weight, they're already mindful whether they're aware of it or not. Maybe they are maintaining their weight in the proper way. Or if they're maintaining their weight using what I call artificial means, like they're following some diet, there is value in measuring, does that diet actually match my needs? If it does, great. But if it doesn't, then that's not for you. And the thing about diets, there's so many diets out there, and the diet books have lots and lots of examples, testimonials for people for whom it worked. And it probably did because that mindful, excuse me, that diet actually matched what that particular person's body needed. But when we're, the rest of us are on that diet and we fail, it's really important to realize that that just wasn't a good fit for you. And the better fit is you being the, the diet guru, you being the author of the, of the diet plan for yourself to figure it out. 
Yeah, and as is well known, if a diet makes you feel terrible and is a struggle to get through mm -hmm. and is a huge amount of work, not yeah. only is it unlikely to work very well, it's completely unsustainable. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you stop dieting, you run the other way back to something that actually feels mm -hmm. comfortable and satisfying and like you're not right. being constantly deprived or abused. And there is comfort in following the rules. There's this sense of, okay, if I do exactly what this diet tells me to do, I'll be okay. And it works in the beginning, but then it stops working because like you said, it's not sustainable. So I get that people will lean back into diets because it's a safety, but it doesn't work. In the long run, I mean, I, prior to learning all of this, I was on a lot of diets over the years, you know, whatever one came out um, until I said, stop, enough, diets don't work. And something you just said, I think, leads to another excellent point where it, it used to work or it worked at first. I think mm -hmm. that also relates to people who are like, well, 15 years ago, I tried this diet and it was great mm -hmm. and I lost mm -hmm. weight and I love the way I look. And, and they have the, they have a, a strong, powerful, positive memories associated right. with that. Right. And it's been 15 years. They're a completely different person. Right. They're a completely right. different person. They try yeah. and go back to that diet or that exercise program mm -hmm. or that whatever it is. Or and that it's not working and they're not responding right or that exact or that weight or that mm -hmm. and like it isn't working and it doesn't feel good and mm -hmm. they feel bad because it's not working the way it used to right as opposed to being a little more intentional and being a little more mindful and mm -hmm. starting to dial in with well well how do i feel now like how does this right. actually make me feel mm -hmm. maybe running five miles at 5 a.m every day was the right thing for me when i was 22 right if it feels terrible and i keep getting hurt something's different so right, you need to actually right. dial in with how this feels. And I think that ties in a lot with diets. I've had that conversation so many times with people where, mm -hmm. you know, it worked once, especially if it's some kind of starvation diet. Like, right. well, once I was able to lose all this weight and now it doesn't mm -hmm. work anymore. Right. Yeah. The body chemistry changes, your psychology changes, your motivation changes. I had a conversation recently with someone who is circling 60 and she said that she wants to go back to the weight she was at at college. And I don't know how you do that and be healthy. We're, our bodies change, you know, it's 40 years later. So a lot of my conversation with her was become getting to a more realistic perspective, realistic goal. Um, the, the, the researcher who created mindfulness-based eating awareness training, which is what started me on my mindful eating journey, both professionally and personally, Dr. Jean Cristella has this question. She says, what if a year from now, you have lost weight, maybe not as much weight as you had hoped, but you've lost weight. But you know that that weight is gone forever. How would you feel? And for me, that's the million dollar question. We could all get on some crash diet and lose 20 pounds, but circle around a year later, we're back, you know, 22 of those pounds are back. But what if you lost eight pounds and those eight pounds were gone forever? You never had to think about them again. Wouldn't, to me, that's like, oh, wow, that's freedom. And so that's part of the conversation is let's look at the big picture. Let's get you to a place where you're living your life that is sustainable forever so that you can always, as your body changes and it changes, um, that you're still honoring your body and doing what's right by your body and not by something that worked for your body years ago or something that somebody else is telling you. And noticing how that feels, that, that woman you just described who's around 60 and wants to be the weight she was in college, my first question would be, what do you have in mind? What does that number mean to you? And this is mm -hmm. where I, I sometimes feel that that the the number on the scale does a real disservice to people 
because right. it doesn't equal what they're actually after. Because right. I have these conversations all the t- very normally. Absolutely. Someone will will do a consult or they want to be uh-huh. a client. Say, well, I need to lose fifteen pounds. I say, okay, uh-huh. what does f- losing fifteen pounds mean to you? Oh, well, uh-huh. when I was when I was twenty nine, I weighed I weighed this and right. uh, like on my I wedding was great. day, I get well, that a lot. On my wedding yeah. day, yeah. Mm-hmm. I fit into these clothes and I was uh-huh. happy and I liked everything about myself. And I had lots of energy and I could play pickup basketball once a week with no problem. And right. my response to that is, okay, so if we could play pickup basketball, you felt great about yourself, you right. had tons of energy, you could do all of these things, but yep. you weighed exactly the same or more than you do now. Mm-hmm. You, all of that was true. You liked yep. how you, you, were, yep. you were happy, you were satisfied, you were active, but mm-hmm. the scale doesn't move. Is yep. that success? And if someone says yes, we might be able to work together. And if someone right. says, no, I want to lose 15 pounds, I say, I'm not your guy. This right. isn't going to work out right. because you're right. never going to be happy. And I mm-hmm. can't be a part of that. And I'm really yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, I love how you handled that. That is exactly the right way from my perspective on how to handle it. It's what is it that you're really after? One of the benefits of mindful eating for many people be, before even the weight loss, because this is not a diet. This is not a quick weight loss scheme. This takes time. For the body to, you know, for you to get the skills, for you to get used to it, for your body to release the excess weight. But what comes first is this sense of peace, like the fight is over, the war is over, and a sense of freedom around food. Like I mentioned before, you can go anywhere and trust that whatever's on the buffet, whatever on the menu, you're going to do right by you. To me, that's worth it, even if you keep on the extra 20 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever it is, to have that state of mind, that freedom. Um, that was the first gift I noticed for myself with my, when I started practicing mindful eating. And it's the one that I treasure the most This oh, I don't have to battle anymore. It's over. Feeling like you're in control, especially if you've spent often for people years feeling a little out of control, reaching for that answer, reaching for that, that just tell me what to do. What do I have to do? Okay, I'll cut this out. I'll add this in. I'll take the supplement. I'll do this program. Like I'll do whatever it takes. Just tell me what to do. And, and the nasty answer is like, pay attention. And, and that's going to take you many, many steps forward, but it's not easy. But so let's say it takes, let, let, let's go big. Let's say it takes three years to get pretty good at mindful eating. I, that has not been my experience, but where were you three years ago? I'd be okay. Like if, if, if three years, you were suddenly a master of your control and your nutrition and your fueling and your energy, like that seems like three years well spent. Absolutely. The, um, this, my new book, Mindful by Joyful Life, is designed as a 365-day book to take people little step by little step through a year of becoming a mindful eater. Because I'm basically saying we're going to take all of your habits and flip them. And you can't just do that overnight. So my first book, Tame Your Appetite, which was five steps to mindful eating, is expanded in this new book where I take the five steps and baby steps, baby steps, baby steps for 365 days, 366 actually, in case we have a leap year, there's an extra day in the book, um, take you around to so that by the end of the year, your relationship with food is different. Did that Was that a natural evolution going from the five steps to, the, to really expanding it? Or did that come out of people asking for... Like I more detail, like, okay, these are great, but I, I don't step one. I'm stuck on step one. How do I even get in here? Actually wrote mindful bites, joyful life first. And then I realized that I needed to give people a shorthand. What is mindful eating? What does it look like? What are the five steps to get there? And for many people they take that and they run, but I, this is actually a little bit of a diary. I talk a lot about myself. I use myself as examples in a lot of the entries in Mindful Bite because it's almost a journal like of my journey 
how I became, how, you know, the struggles that I had learning to become a meditator. Um, you know, how do you handle holidays? How do you handle family and all of that? So that's in there. Um, but I actually wrote that one first. And then we I put out the five, uh, the five steps first, just to say, well, what is all of this mindful eating anyway? And now, now that you get it, let me take you on a journey and let's do this together for a year and get you to a different place. Here's the overview. Here's what it means. And now here's the actual nitty gritty, how we're going to apply this across a significant period of time. Right. right. I love it. Right. And it starts with a minute of meditation. And over the course of a year, you're meditating 30 minutes, not asking you to start with 30 minutes, but you do a minute. Then we bump you up ooh, five minutes and I bump you up to eight minutes. Are you ready? You're not ready. Stay at five. And then eventually you get to 30 minutes. Same thing. You start with one mindful bite. Then you move on to one mindful meal until you're eating all of your food mindfully. So it's baby steps, baby, baby steps. As well as a guidepost, not guidepost, a guidebook for how to do this. It's also a, a backup piece of mindfulness. Cause if you are, if it was me and it will be, I'm probably just going to start my day with that. I'll go down, I'll get my coffee. I'll sit down and be like, Oh, I got to read my, read my mindful bite. And doing that will already lock you in to all of the other practices and habits that you're slowly building. And the reason is there's at the end of each entry, there is a, um, a journal question for you to, to, to think about, to write about or think about. And then there's a little homework assignment, a little exercise. And that might be the one minute of meditation or the one mindful bite. So each day, um, and I've done it now where I, in the manuscript, and now that I have actually the copy of the book, I'm doing holidays might not completely sync up the process requires you to start from day one. But because they're date-specific entries like Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, um, I wanted to make it literally to the calendar. So they go, oh, it's Valentine's Day. What do you do? You're getting all this chocolate. And I was like, enjoy it. <laughs> I love that. Well, Dr. Sheila, tell everyone, well, tell everyone where to go to find the books and where they should go to find more about you. Well, thank you. So the easiest way to find my books is either on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. They're available both there. Or just go to my website, Tame Your Appetite, T-A-M-E. Tame, by the way, is an acronym for the art of mindful eating. So tameyourappetite.com. And everything that you need to know to become a mindful eater is there. There's um, information. There's links to free products. There's I've, I've all kinds of audio problems, um, self-tutorials, coaching programs, everything there. That's the home. And you'll find the links to those books, as well as I have some other books on specifically on emotional overeating. So if um, somebody is struggling with that, they can take a look at those as well. That's perfect. And we'll put all that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, you can click your player and all the links will be sitting there for you right now. Thank you very much. That's great. Of course, Dr. Sheila, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to talk to you about this, Justin. I agree. Thank you so much for listening to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star rating if you have the time. That makes a big difference. DM us on Instagram at feelstrongfit. Any questions if you just want to pick our brain. If you'd like more info, the website is feelstrong.me. We value effectiveness, individualization, and empathy. If you want to see what it's like to have an expert in the field, really listen and hear what you need to build you the perfect program to get you where you want to go today, is the perfect time to get started. We look forward to hearing from you. And thank you very much.